Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Irene Blog Talk Radio Show with your host, Minister Amen. And you're listening to it on the Win Network. Yes, that's right. Win Network. Together, we win. Stay tuned. Yes, yes. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the iRain Blog Talk Radio Show, and we are live this evening. Thank you for joining us tonight, my friends. I am Minister Annie Bell, the host and creator of iRain Blog Talk Radio Show, which is an outreach of Wealth Management Ministries. We are endeavoring to bring talk therapy to survivors of child abuse, sex trafficking, and other traumas, as well as as well as providing awareness, prevention, and resources to the community. Well, tonight is our season finale. It has been a wonderful season, and um, and it has, you know, God has really brought us a long way, and He's allowed us to go higher heights and spread even further abroad. So, our topic tonight is called "Life in the Aftermath of Trauma," and if one thing I hope that you have learned while watching or listening my show is that our spirit, the human spirit, is so resilient. Even after abuse and trauma, events occur in our, when, excuse me, when traumatic events occur in our lives, we are still able to rise up from it and make a life completely different than what our past tried to dictate. We are not our past. Um, and I think that is a wonderful thing that we are able to start afresh. Um, that is the case for my panel of guests this evening. And I want to welcome Lamarck Bishop, Mary Fields, and Rhoda Ross Williams to the show. Welcome to the show, ladies and gents. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yes. Um, we had an opportunity to meet at the uh, Black Girls Die To movie premiere and a uh, great cast. And one thing that I have realized uh, is that when you have a gathering of people, there is going to be someone who is a survivor, um, if not currently a victim. And that is what, what the statistics show. They show that one in four Females and one in six males uh, actually go through some type of abuse or a traumatic event in their lives, and that is the case even with on the set of uh, Black Girls Die to the the Backpage Murders. Just from the cast, uh, there was at least seven people, individuals who had said that they have been either abused or witnessed abuse. Um, or have gone through trauma. Tonight we have three of you all that have either witnessed or gone through some type of trauma. So I want our, our uh, listening audience to get to know you. Let's start with you, Lamarck. Um, please tell us what city and state you're in and share your story of abuse or trauma. Well, I am in Atlanta, Georgia. I have been mm-hmm. here for 
a year and a half. Um, my my stories uh, with uh, abuse it dates back uh, many 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 years. Uh, my childhood actually. My my mother uh, had a had a best friend once, and I remember uh, very 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 vaguely. Um, she would come uh, to the house and. Uh, you know, her and my mom, they would, uh, you know, gossip in the living room, and she would always say, you know, can you go get me a, a a drink, go get me a soda. And But I also noticed uh, each time she would come, uh, she would always tell my mother, your boys are just so handsome. They're just the cutest little boys. Come here and give your auntie a kiss. Come here. You know, and it was just, it was, you know, we did that. You know, if uh, if auntie said come here, you know, we we did it, no big deal. And so, um, I recall on this particular day, um, she asked my mother to get her a soda, and my mom went to the kitchen and she said, "Come here, give me a kiss." And she kissed me, but it was different from the kisses that she gave before. Any, you know, before she would you know, kiss our cheeks. Know, really hard or, or something like that But this time she kissed my mouth And she kissed my mouth hard um, She kissed me like a, a woman Would kiss her husband And mm-hmm. of course being a child I didn't I didn't know what was going on mm-hmm. And she would tell me you know, Don't tell your mom or you're going to get a whooping And I don't know about anybody else But you know back in the day you know, My mama could get some whoppers boy. <laughs> you know They don't make them like that no more no. <laughs> and so, or or you'll just get in trouble. And so, every time she would come, I would watch her come down the street, and I would purposely uh, go outside and do something different. But she would send for me, and uh, it was the same thing. And this went on for a while, uh, and then all of a sudden she stopped coming. I never told my mother. Um, I didn't tell my mother until I was. 25 and even at 25 you know my mother cried and she asked me why didn't I tell and the answer was simple because she told me not to and she told me if I did you know you would be mad at me I would get in big trouble she wouldn't believe me just all of these different things um so Lamarck, when when she um, I know she started out with the kisses, and was there any other violations? None that I can remember. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. None that I can remember. But okay. that in itself, that experience in itself, oh, in yeah. my opinion, was was more than enough. Um, oh, definitely. I, never want to just for a little boy that doesn't know what's going on. Exactly. When a child's um, ideal of what um, of what life is supposed to be like for them, when it's breached, it there it it has cause for uh, for tra- trauma, and every child deserves the has the right deserves the right to be able to heal from that. And you said that was not your first um, traumatic event. What was the other? So, um, as I got older, my mom, she married uh, my youngest brother, his dad, and I can just remember them uh, always having these huge arguments, Mm -hmm. and the things that he would say to my mother, um, you could just only imagine it, things that just a man shouldn't say to a a woman, so... uh, I remember so many times it was um I would hear uh, banging and 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 things of that nature and this one particular day uh, they were in the backyard and uh I remember him body slamming my mother and kicking my mother throwing her on the ground and so uh, I don't know I guess my older brother and I we were just screaming and yelling and you know uh, it was over, and uh, she made us, uh, my my brother and I, she made us promise as long as we live to never strike a woman, and that resonated with us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can recall uh, being in a toxic relationship um, with a woman when I was 20, 
I was uh, I was a I was a sheltered young man. Uh, I was what the uh, other kids would call Joe on the porch, which basically meant that's where my mother kept me on the porch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a curfew till I was nine till I was nineteen, if that'll help you out. And so, but when I was able to come off the porch, I came off with a vengeance. <laughs> and so. And so I went out and I got one really fast, and it was the wrong one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this young lady was from a completely different environment, a completely different background, um, and we would have these these spats. And again, she would say things to me that my stepfather would say to my mother. And then one day it came to a complete head. Um, she slapped me. And I had an out of body experience when that happened. Oh my God! Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I stepped out of myself and, and said, "Self," and myself said, "Huh?" <laughs> and I said, "Did she just slap you?" And myself said, "Uh huh." Well, what you gonna do? I don't know. And uh, I believe because I didn't react, that that opened the door to to continue more and it went from a slap to a scratch to a punch to being oh, wow. handles and, and curtain rods and things of that nature um, wow it, it kind of came full it circle just, for you mm-hmm. it, it did mm-hmm. it, it did yeah. uh, wow um, I want to take a moment and uh, bring in our other our other guest, and but we, I want I will come back and we're going to talk a little bit more about that cycle that um, continues even when we are a witness to trauma, uh, because that is a traumatic traumatic event for us. So the next person that I want to talk to um, is Mary Fields. I'm going to ask you the same thing: where where are you residing? And um, Tell us a little bit about your story. Okay. Um, I live in Atlanta, Georgia right now. I've been here since 2005, so I've been here a pretty long time now. Um, abuse. I don't even know where to really start, mm-hmm. um, but it seems to kind of be the norm for me growing up for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, there are several cases in my life. Uh, physical and sexual, physical abuse by my mom and um, sexual abuse by my grandfather and my cousin. Um, And I'll say my mom's boyfriend, but that was physical with him. Um, It was horrible. And growing up, you know, basically, I guess, as a child, in order to cope, you kind of learn how to block things out. Mm-hmm. And so that's basically what I did. Um, you know, when I was six years old, my mom's boyfriend at that time, you know, who was also a drug addict, he used to walk around the house naked and she'd leave mm-hmm. me alone with him. And um, she didn't know that was going on. But at that time, too, you know, she wasn't listening to anything that I would have to say. Mm-hmm. And so there was a particular time that he was pretending to put me in the oven. And he said, you know, if I didn't stop crying. And so he opened up the oven door and, you know, proceeded to put me in playfully. But he didn't know or realize because he was strung out that the oven was on. Oh, and when Lord. I screamed out in pain because my arm got, my wrist got burned. I still have that scar uh, still there. Um, he tried to feed my mom some excuse. And my aunt kept trying to talk to my mom and tell her something's not right with what's going on there because when I was with her, you know, I kind of would tell her the things that was going on. And so one day she snuck up and she heard whimpering, you know, in the house. And she asked him, you know, where's my niece? And she found me in the dark basement whimpering at the top of the set. And she basically told him, you know, if you ever touch, you know, my niece again, I will shoot you between the eyes. That's right. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not condoning killing, but somebody mm-hmm. got to stick up for the baby. You know, how old were you yeah. when this was happening? I was five. 
five. And so he was, um, he had already started raping you. Was it um, at the time inappropriate touches? No, he just would do evil things, like I said, playfully playing in the oven, you know, if you cry, I'm going to do this to you. So he was one of the physical users. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, He just, he was, you know, with everything that he did, it was like a non, he didn't care because he was strung out on drugs and he literally would put the stuff out on the table doing what he does around me while she was gone gone to work or she was gone somewhere to do whatever. Um, so that was him, but she did finally leave him because my aunt talked to her and told her yeah. what was going on, so she left him. But Praise God for your aunt. Was, mm-hmm, she herself was a physical abuser, and so when I would be with my aunt again, um, she would see these bruises and these scars, and so her and another one of my aunts planned, you know, together to kidnap me from my mom, which they did, mm-hmm. and I was six and a half at that time. And so basically it was kind of weird because the police, and I know this time I'm thinking, I think the courts would get involved, but that was so long ago. It was mm-hmm. kind of like the police asked, who do you want to go live with? But because neither one of those aunts were married, I didn't end up with them. I ended up with my step-grandmother and my grandfather. Um, and that's a whole other story in itself on how that happened. But um, Wow. So is that the, that's the grandfather that um, molested you? Yes. And so mm-hmm. I went from one abusive place to yes. another, but just a different type of abuse. Yeah, um, that's right. And I just couldn't take it anymore. And I was seven and basically started playing with fire at that time um, as something that I was just doing at the time. Um, and I almost burned down the house. So that's how I ended back up, you know, back, actually ended up with my aunt who had kidnapped, kidnapped me from my mom. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, those were a few. Um, oh, my gosh. And my cousin, yeah, well, my cousin, when he did it, he was 10, and I was 9. Um, he called himself playing house. Um, and But I will say this. Um, I, As I got older, I understood where that came from with him. Mm-hmm. And when we were older, he basically came to me when I was 19, and he said he apologized, and he was so Amen. distraught about it, and asked me, did I remember what happened? And I said, yeah, but I blocked it out. That's what I told him. I blocked it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I went back there. The reason that he came to me and asked me that was because he had a friend who said that they were they were with someone that they just found out after almost two years they were first cousins. Mm-hmm. So we asked them, are you going to stay with this person? And they were like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but I can see the hurt in his eyes, but I say this, that at the time we both was witnessing his his mother having, we would sometimes be at the end of the bed while they were having sex um, with us on TV, but at the end of the bed. And so he was doing what he saw. And yeah. he witnessed a lot of fighting, and I'm talking about physical fighting, throwing vases, choking, you know, with his mom and, and whatever God she was with at the time. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where it came from, I believe, with him. And then my grandfather, he wasn't, you know, he was a devout alcoholic. Um, and so even with them, he ended up, um, you know, my step-grandmother ended up in a wheelchair for life. She had a stroke and ended up in a wheelchair where she only had, like, the use of one arm. Couldn't walk mm-hmm. or do anything, but was basically paralyzed. And I did witness um, their daughters at the time. They beat him down. Like, my grandfather, they beat him down. I did not know why, but I'm assuming that they must have found out something or something happened at that time where it, it caused that. <laughs> You know, um, Mary, we're going to take a quick break, and then I want to come back and allow you to finish up. Um, so much happened in your in your life, especially, mm-hmm. you know, in that short span of time. So when we come back, we can hear the rest of your story before we go on to um, talk to Rhoda. Everybody, please keep your cheeks in the seat, and we'll be right back. Have you priced commercials lately? Advertising can truly break your budget. 
At Win, we eliminate the most common hurdle to advertising. Advertise with Win to reach potential customers locally, nationally, and internationally for as low as $150. Yes, that's right, $150 per commercial. We Inspire Network Radio is a new and rapidly growing online radio network that boasts of dynamic seasoned show hosts who are drawing audiences from across the nation and abroad. Africa, Australia, Scotland, Canada, just to name a few. We also have the technical capabilities to advertise your products and services through sound bites, slideshows, and more. No long-term contracts. You pay per show. Advertise on WIN, and you are sure to be a winner. For more information, call us, 201-477-0469. Email Annie Bell at wealthmanagement-fs.org. Hello, everyone. We are just past the first quarter hour, and um, we're talking with our panel of guests who uh, was a part of the cast of Black Girls Die 2, the Backpage Murders. And uh, those who have been following me know that we uh, went to the uh, premiere, the movie premiere, and just had a had a blast meeting the the, uh, the cast and the crew. Um, but tonight, I have a few of them with me here and uh, to talk about some of their own stories. And so we are here with Lamarck Bishop, Mary Fields, and Rhoda Ross-Williams. Thank you, everyone, for staying put while we uh, took that quick break. Now, Mary, you were, uh, I think, just about to finish up. Uh, on some of the things that you had gone through, the physical abuse, sexual abuse, uh, was there anything else you would like to add? Um, no, those are basically one of the most hideous things that basically happened. Like I said, it just seemed to be as a child that it kind of was the norm, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and until I went with my aunt and, you know, but then a couple of years of peace and then that cousin that I was telling you about her, you know, him and the aunt came and stayed with us for that year and that's when that happened mm-hmm. um, well, and so, you know, you know I'm sorry, go ahead um, it just like I said, growing up I, I don't know how um, at those those particular times that I just kept going on and on and on um, but like I said, as a coping mechanism, you know, I was able to block things out mm-hmm. and, and, you know, keep going, you right. know, and not let it take over my life because it could have. And in a way, it kind of did affect me. It, it did mm-hmm. affect me. It had some effects. But, um, oh, sure. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, really, you may have I been able to really function really. with it, with mm-hmm. the memories of it, but uh, mm-hmm. when abuse occurs, especially to a child, it derails their development. And, um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that now, like I said, you may have been able to cope better than the next person, but there's definitely some derailment, um, of, of your development, you know, and, um, the other thing that I wanted to point out is I, I don't know what the, there's a trend going on where, Boyfriends mm-hmm. are a- allowed too much access to mm-hmm. children, and um, mm-hmm. and they tend to rape and uh, you know abuse. There was I just put up an article on our uh, Facebook group. The little boy mm-hmm. who was raped by her mother's boy, his mother's boyfriend, he actually bled mm-hmm. to death because. The sodomizing was so rough on that, and he was only four. It was so rough. The anal sex was so rough. I'm sorry, not the sex, the anal rape, because, you know, sex is consensual. Yeah. Um, was yeah. so rough that he bled to death in the backseat of the car, 
instead of them rushing him to the hospital, they didn't, they, you know, the mother didn't even call the police. They, she was going to help. She was trying to help him uh, cast the body away. So they put him in an abandoned building. So the mother is just to me as a, a culprit as he was and we have to be careful and I'm not saying a single women uh, I'm not single but single women have to uh, single mothers have to stay single I'm not saying that at all but we need to vet the people that we're dating that we're allowing access to our children yeah Yeah, we need to find out more about them we need to check on their social security number what's going on where have you been look for them on the sex um, offenders list I mean you know, you vet them like you about to loan them some money. That's what I think. Um, you know, check them out first. And then afterwards, mm-hmm. check them again and keep your eyes on them because there are men who are looking for single mothers so that they can have access to their um, sons and daughters. So, you know, and boys, yeah. it's so – it's it's rough for both of them, but boys, because of the stigma, normally will never say anything, even um, in, until they get up into the adult age, like Lamarck, you know, what happened with him. He kept it inside because there's such a stigma. It's either, oh, shoot, no, that is nothing. You know, you should be glad somebody, you know, wanted to do that or whatever. Or if it was a male on male, then they, uh, the shame because of the, uh, uh, they think, oh, am I homosexual or whatever have you? So they don't talk about it. And so there is so much pain for the the male population uh, added because they can't feel, they don't feel at liberty to talk about it. Um, Rhoda, I want to bring you in at this point. Rhoda Ross Williams, which is she is also also an author. Tell us about um, Mm -hmm. where you. Where, where you reside, and a, a little bit about your trauma. Okay. Well, I currently reside in Evans, Georgia, which is a part of the Augusta, Georgia metro. I'm a native of Valdosta, Georgia. I've only resided in this area for two years. And with that being said, uh, my background comes from an abusive marriage, an abusive marriage. Uh, my husband and I were married approximately on paper, five years, but we're only together physically. Three of those five took two years to finalize the divorce. So in saying that, um, the biggest trauma of the abuse came, he was an alcoholic. He was an alcoholic, but he was a functioning alcoholic. And there were more people days than bad days, but any day that's bad, and abuse is not a good day in marriage. Straw that broke the camel's back when I had my youngest daughter, and I wrote a book about her with the title Positive Winning Soul, Defeating And in the book, it talks about the abuse. Um, The chapter in the book is Chapter 4. The title of the chapter is The Punch. When I had my daughter, Rochelle, she was born with this rare disability. We had no idea she was going to have these issues. She was born uh, an emergency cesarean because we had all of our amnios and to make sure that the child was not going to have any issues because there was red flags. And so since the amnio said she would be fine, we did not do any drastic measures that were suggested medically to terminate the pregnancy. The child was going to be chronically disabled. Therefore, moving forward, that wasn't God's plan. So in saying that, my husband was very upset because I chose not to be in our stable. And in saying that, I myself as a mother, the abuse was a, a, a duel. It was a two-way street. Um, in my book, I'm looking that from either person in a marriage, whether it's from one, the other, or both parties, is not good for your children. So in saying that, it became a brawl in the hospital. We got into a fist fight in the hospital. I had staples in my stomach. I attacked him. He did not attack me. I can say that, and I can be honest. And I did it because I just had a child, and you're telling me to let my baby die. 
and I lost. But that's on And I don't condone any type of violence in a marriage, and I make that very clear in the book. So we went forward to end our marriage because I knew she had problems way before she was born with alcoholism that we argued all the time. Sometimes it became physical. So the drama was already there. So having a sick child to add to that made it even worse. And I became just as violent and aggressive as she has been throughout that marriage. I forced my husband to find my three. And I have for our child with all of her extreme needs that she has. But mm-hmm. uh, walking away from that marriage, I could tell anyone, um, my husband was the main provider for me and my children. I have two children. And the other child was also sick. And having two sick children to be a single mother at the time was cheating, losing the breadwinner in the household. But I made it work. And I'll tell anyone, if you have children, if you're in a marriage, no matter how much of a breadwinner, if it's going to be traumatizing to your children or jeopardize the well being of you, that is no place, no place to take. Because they are the provider. Don't let that be your reason to put your children through that trauma and trauma of living through a fist fight every other month or every so often because we had our brawl. We would have a brawl every other month before I had the baby. It became so dysfunctional. It was like living in a war zone at times because of his alcoholism made him that way. And no no badgering of him because he's not alive, but the post reports to validate everything that say about my no insult to the fact of his memory passed away in 2008 but throughout our divorce it was also a period of um, it process it was him coming to the house threatening me um, doing all kinds of things such as he's asked to go around picking the story tried to kill me. Um, I uh, was chased down the street, running with my children. And we lived in a very rural area, and it was very dark. I never forget it was on a Sunday night. And uh, I was running with my wife. I had my baby with her heart monitor on my shoulders, running with her and my little three-year-old at the time, running down the dark road for our lives. And out of nowhere, through the grace of God, Somebody saw us running and stopped. He was running behind us, and he was going to kill me and my children. So with that being said, going through all of that trauma and drama at that time in our lives, through the divorce as well as it definitely impacted not just me, but also my older daughter. And to this day, she has post-traumatic stress disorder as well as I have post-traumatic stress disorder. That's right. Uh, from that trauma in our lives. It was a two-year trauma. It was horrible during the process of divorce. It was so bad that I actually had to have sheriff deputies in front of my house in the morning and at night, throughout the night, just so I could take my children to school or my kids to stay night. It got so bad that I had to take rest with my children. And I had to go and live with my grandmother for uh, until I could get myself together to leave what we had been living since we started for the divorce, filed for the divorce, because he made my life and my children's lives a living hell. It was so hard for me to explain to my daughter why she could could just go outside and play. It was that bad when we lived in the house that I stayed in when I first got the divorce. And he was not going to rent until I left the house. It's not so bad to the uh, sheriff 
department and the deputy talked to me and my family and they said we cannot assure that he's not gonna kill her and kill her. So mm-hmm. somebody's gonna take her in for a kid's life. These kids sick work for professional and I guess I work for a local school at the time. And coming from a community where my dad is also a well pastor Mm-hmm. People, now, Rhoda, if I could mm-hmm. uh, interrupt you, we've got to take a brief uh, sure. commercial break, and then we'll come back okay. and let you finish that off. But everybody, please take just take a moment and uh, get, grab your coffee or uh, a Danish or something, but come right okay. back. Mm-hmm. Two minutes. Sure. Okay. Thanks. Sadly, today, most of us know at least one person that suffers from addiction or substance abuse. Addiction does not discriminate. No age, gender, race, or classes of people are immune to the horrors of addiction. This epidemic has ruined families, claimed lives, and left loved ones devastated. Over 100 people die from overdoses daily, and over 20 million Americans suffer from some form of addiction. For this reason, author Lloyd H. Bell Jr. has written the book Clean and Serene. The author is an addictions counselor and recovering addict of over 13 years. He knows and has first-hand experience of being caught in the grips of addiction. Clean and Serene provides experience, strength, and hope for the still-suffering addict. It can also be used as a tool in recovery. Whether it is used in a group setting or individually, this book was written to assist in the recovery process and encourage. Integrating inspirational, encouraging, and challenging scriptures the author has provided a resource that is sure to change lives. If you or someone you know is battling with addiction, this book is for you. If you are in recovery, this is a great resource to add to your toolbox. If you are a group leader or addiction counselor, this is an awesome book for group therapy. Clean and serene. Scriptural Meditations for Recovery is available nationwide in both ebook and print. Get your copy or a copy for some you know today from Amazon or Barnes & Noble Bookstore. For less than $10, you can potentially change the life of someone currently paying the high cost of living with an addiction. Welcome back to I Rain Block Up Radio Show with your host, Minister Annie Bell. All right, we've just passed the half-hour point of our show, Irene Blog Talk Radio Show. Me, I am Minister Annie Bell, and I am the host and creator of this show. It is powered by We Inspire Network Radio, and wanted to just uh, let you know that, of course, my book is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Grab a copy. I hope that you'll grab a copy, read it, and then join me back when um, when we start back our season premiere in August, that'll give you a chance to read it through, begin some of your healing processes. Uh, the name of the book is Irene, A Survivor's Guide to Thrive. So um, we tonight talking to a panel of guests who were the cast of The uh, Black Girl Die 2, The Backpage Murders, and uh, talking about the story of their trauma and then uh, their, uh, their, their walk, their pace, their journey to victory. So we were just talking to Rhoda, and uh, I know there was a little bit of going in and out, and hopefully we have fixed that problem. And so, uh, Rhoda, you had, uh, we're just kind of leaving off towards the end of your, your story of what had happened uh, could you go ahead and, and, and finish off that story for us? Oh, yes. Um, the finalization was going on to um, live with my grandmother, and from that seven-month period, I was able to finally move into a place where he did not locate me and the children, and we were fine. And with time healed, those wounds where I was able to not walk around agitated and traumatized all the time and it really helped me grow spiritually because without spirituality I know I would not have survived that mentally Mm -hmm. and it would have broken 
me and my children, especially with the extra trauma and drama of having very ill children as well. So oh, sure. with that said, I tell anyone, if you're going through something, your true resilience, especially if you're a mother, the love for your children will make you so strong that you can focus and not give up. And you can also know nothing comes before your children. And I encourage mm-hmm. every mom, especially single mothers, to always put that in their hearts and in their souls that mm-hmm. your children come for any need that you have physically and everything will be fulfilled through the love for your children. So with that, I do conclude with my statement. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that, and I appreciate you um, also giving that word of advice because uh, not only are the children important, but you as the mother, you as the parent, very important to stay alive because, again, it is a traumatic experience to witness that. Um, and I talk about the ACE study, Adverse Childhood Experiences, and one of the and these are the experiences that have been uh, that a child has gone through, which could cause them to again uh, derail their development, their natural development, and so. But it also creates an onset of adult diseases like obesity, um, diabetes, heart conditions, and of course even behavioral issues where you see promiscuity and things of that sort because, again, there is a derailment of the development of that child. And so when we don't look at those areas of abuse and uh, trauma and then uh, and make sure that our children have the type of therapy and counseling that helps them to heal properly, it, it turns it looks like drug addiction. It looks like um having fifty or more sexual partners. It looks like obesity and diabetes and heart conditions, these chronic issues physically because the body was so stressed while they were children. So y'all know that I'm a big proponent um of making sure that people that survivors heal properly. Um, sometimes we have to go back and open up that wound and allow for healing to uh, happen from the inside and out, inside out. Now, in hindsight, and I'm going to um, start with you, Mary. In hindsight, what do you think could have been done differently to have prevented the, the multiple incidences of abuse that you went through? Um, when I reflect back on your story, I'm thinking about, well, you know, what – what happened to your mom that in her mm-hmm. past mm-hmm. that did not allow her to see or be more present? Um, was there, did she suffer? Was, it, was she a survivor of abuse as well? Well, that's now see, that's basically the issue a lot of times with abusers often end up being abuse, you know, that's people right. who are abusers have usually been abused themselves and then they end up inflicting that type of pain on someone else. And so with my mom, now, you know, I said my grandfather, you know, she basically, um, he was an alcoholic since the age of 14, so before they were all even born. And there were six kids. Um, My grandmother, who I was named after, she died at the age of 22, leaving behind six kids. My mom was the oldest and she was six. And so all of the kids, because he wasn't a fit parent, you know, he was an alcoholic, they separated all of them into different uh, foster homes. Well, my mom became emancipated at the age of 14. They told her that she was, you know, mature enough to take care of herself. So at the age of 14, she's out on her own living the world. Oh, Lord. Um, You know, there was someone who attempted to rape her and basically, you know, stabbed her in the leg. Come to find out that was a cousin. She didn't know it was a husband until later on, but um, she was misguided because growing up, you know, the person who was mentoring her, I guess at the time when she, she found a family, this family told her, listen, you know, you can be pre- get pregnant by kissing. So while it put fear into her, it didn't educate her. Mm-hmm. And so when she finally did, you know, when she had me, she was still a teenager, still learning, 
you know, she was working, you know, uh, more than one job to try to provide or whatever. Um, my father was a, a basically a rolling stone. I have a sister that's five years old, uh, five days older than me, and then five other brothers and sisters that he had Ooh. a outside. So, and he was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Um, I finally met him at the age of 19, and he took me to a bar. That's the first place he took me. I guess that's the only place he knew to took me to, you know, to a bar. Um, and so the 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 education level, um, you know, the issue of the absent father from the home, but also, you know, if he had been there, you know, would it have been better? No, there wouldn't have been any stability. So the absence of the stability in a dysfunctional home, um, you know, it, it, it opens you up. Like today, these children, you know, they have to deal with so much. You know, growing up as kids, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have computers. We didn't have access to social media, you know, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Snapchat, all of what they have now to leave them open and vulnerable to the outside world and to predators. But, you know, back then, we just had predators to deal with. And a lot of times, predators were someone close to us in our family. Well, 98% of uh, those who violate children, they know the Mm -hmm. child. The child knows them. So... Yeah, yeah, those are some horrendous statistics that um, are true to life. And um, and I like that. I like what you're sharing, you know, is basically saying that, you know, we in prevention, there's we have to first recognize that, you know, sometimes there are generational issues that are happening that happen with our forefathers. And that needs to be addressed. And then, um, again, so that this, so that the dysfunction will uh, be alleviated. Now, what do you think, Rhoda? In your situation, what do you think could have been different um, to prevent the uh, the the not just? I guess it was both of y'all abusing each other. But what could have yeah. uh, prevented that? What could have prevented that? Honestly, the only thing that could have prevented that. To be honest, from my background and the home life that I had, I came up more or less of a, my dad would be more like a Heathrow Huxtable household. So this whole lifestyle of alcoholic and abusive person totally new. So I was in uncharted waters at that time in my life. The only thing that could have been done differently for me is I should have left when I saw the sign. Mm. However, mm. I did mm-hmm. not. So I mm-hmm. tell anyone, if you see the sign, and the first time you yep. ever get into a verbal, mental, physical, abusive matter with a male, or a male gets into that with a female, that is your cue to go. You'll save yourself like a five-year right. long-lived torture session if you go ahead and take heed to the first warning sign. So that's what I would have done differently is taking I like heed that. to the first sign. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna tell you, I'm a you know, I'm a I'm a survivor as well of child sexual abuse mm-hmm. and uh, I grew up being very I became very assertive and aggressive because I didn't want anyone to mess with me. But one of the things when I was date when any time I dated a guy, I mean if I would go the first date I would let them know don't ever hit me don't play with my money if we have kids don't ever hit my kids <laughs> I mean five things that I'm gonna I'm tell you right off the bat that will make me drop you you know because yeah. I didn't right. want there to be any confusion when your butt is left on the curb um, because you thought hitting me was cool um, because like I said you know if you're gonna hit me you better make sure I'm dead because when I get up that's that's it um, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm four foot 11, 105 pounds and I talk a lot of crap, but I can back it up a little bit. Um, now <laughs> how about you, Lamar? Uh, what do you think just in hindsight could have been different, um, for your the abuse that you had, had gone through and, and also the, uh, abuse that you have witnessed? I can't, uh, I can't say, I, I, mm-hmm. I well, I could say had I. You know, had I told my, uh, had I told my mother, mm-hmm. um, but again, as a child, 
and maybe maybe it's maybe it was the whole stigma of you know being a uh, a black child you know in the neighborhood things like that I was unaware of you know mm-hmm. my mother never sat me down and said um, there's a possibility that you know somebody could do something and if they do tell me mm-hmm. you know but you just we just didn't have that we just we just didn't have that in our neighborhood. Right. And but you but you that's a part of prevention. And that's part of what we do on the show is to say, make sure that people are having those conversations with their children um, to say, hey, if somebody is touching you in your areas, in your um, private parts, and we call them by name, penis, we call it breast, we call it vagina in our home, because we want to make sure that there's no, you know, confusion of, you know, ta-ta and boom-boom. We don't say that. Um, And so, Lamarck, I think you really hit a point right there to say that part of prevention is that we must talk about it with our children. I started talking about it with our our kids when they were um, one, starting when they were one, one years old. You know, of course, using language that they understand and um, making sure that they feel comfortable to be able to come to me. And I've even told them, if mommy does something wrong, I need you to go and tell daddy. If daddy does something wrong, come and tell mommy. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's nobody who can um, do anything wrong to them with, and that we will not address, you know. And so, um, Mark, I think that you, you really hit a, a powerful point now, we only have a few more minutes. I can't believe my hour is almost up, um, but I, don't, I definitely <laughs> want to make sure I give you some time to talk about your, um, your future endeavors. And I, I don't think I've allowed um, Rhoda to go first uh, yet, so I'm going to let her go first and, uh, you know, just talk about your books and what else uh, that you're, what you're doing for, uh, for, your, for the future. Well, my uh, future endeavors is in July, a uh, book will be coming out titled Leave Your Baggage Behind. Mm-hmm. It has uh, a total of 15 authors. I'm one of the co-authors of that book, um, and it's with the Professional Women's Network. And so that book will be coming out in July. And again, the book that I currently author is a very short book about my daughter's rare medical condition. That just pretty much pulls things together, just give people perspective and a glance of what our lives are like, living with so many constraints due to her rare disability. And the title of that book is Positive Winning Soul, Defeating Prada Willie Syndrome. And I can be found on Facebook, and my Facebook page for that is author Rhoda Ross Williams, and it is at Positive Winning Soul or PWS. And so that's one that you can find. And also in regards to the movie, I would encourage everyone to follow Black Girls Dive 2, the Backpage Murders Facebook page, because they will be updating current on when the movie will be available to the public. Very good. Thank you very much, Rhoda. Now, how about you, Lamarck? Um, What are your future endeavors? What's going on with you? And how can my audience get in touch with you? Um, well, what I have going on right now, I um, have written, produced, and I am starring and directing in a film called Deceptive Heart. Uh, it's in uh, production right now. Shout out to uh, Aaron Harris, um, Taryn McFarthing, um, Marvin Vance, Christina Fuentes. Um, I'm also uh, I'm also writing a uh, another script is called uh, Multiple. Look for that pretty soon. And uh, there's another project that's coming this summer. I can't really speak that much on that one. Um, it's just just, just keep your ears peeled. It's, trust me, it's going to be big. And uh, You can reach me on my uh, fan page at Lamarck Bishop on Facebook. You can also follow me on Instagram at LamarckBishop23 or you can email me at LamarckBishop23 at gmail.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much. How about you, Mary Field? Okay. Well, I'm working on several things. I'm actually one of the um, 
extras and deceptive heart. Thanks, Lamar. <laughs> and I am um, <laughs> I'm writing a um a book. I'm actually halfway done with it. It's called After the Storm and it's a book but it's also I'm turning it into a docudrama. It's basically about what you kinda heard tonight, a little bit of it. Um, but it's based on uh, a true story. Um, and I'm also working on a CD um, called Purify. It's a gospel inspirational CD. So I've got that. I've got a book of poems that I've got to complete, <laughs> but it's in the works. And just looking to be in a little bit more movies. I will also be in a stage play, The Baileys, um, in September. So got a few things going on. And I also think I'm one of the people that's going to be in multiple written and produced by uh, Lamar Bishop. Right, Lamar? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wow. Um, that is wonderful. I love the network and I love the, the you know, the, the camaraderie that y'all have. I just want to say thank you so much for uh, coming on the show and sharing your life story and seeing the victory, seeing what victory looks like and what Thrive looks like after trauma and abuse. So thank you so much for being a part of my panel tonight. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. Thank you. You're welcome. Now I just want to take a minute before we go off the air um, to just say thank you for all of our fans that have allowed us into your homes these past eight months. Um, uh, of this season, but we are going into our season three in August. Our show has gone into more than 15 different countries. I, I'm just still floored by that. We're talking about Australia, Nigeria, um, Ghana, um, I mean, mm. you know, Scotland, Germany, Philippines. We're just in so many uh, countries and across, of course, United States. So thank you for opening up your doors to allow Irene, the Blog Talk Radio Show, in. And um, it is my endeavor that we and my prayer that victims will be rescued and ways of escape be made for those who are currently being victimized. And we will continue to be take part of helping survivors heal uh, and bring awareness and rescues and, and prevention uh, to prevent these things. So uh, even though we will be gone off the air for the four months, we'll be doing a lot of work to continue this on. We also have the Triumph Tour that might come to your city near you. Call me at 201-477-0469 if you would like to bring your, uh, the, the Triumph Tour there where we are teaching the community, church, uh, staff, and any children's ministry on how to protect the kids. So to make a donation or get in touch with me or my team, please go to www.wealthmngt.org or follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Irene Stop Abuse and Abolish Sex Trafficking. Also go to YouTube channel at Irene Blog Talk and become a subscriber so that you're not going to miss a show when we come back for our premiere season. And in our premiere season, we actually have an ex-pimp lined up to talk about the things that he did to uh, keep his uh, prey, if you want to call them, in line, and um, how he got his the women to uh, uh, do sex acts for him, for his pockets. Mm-hmm. But anyway, repeat after me. I reclaim my life. I excel at living. I illuminate the dark. I grow in Christ, and I nurture myself and others. Let's reign together with Christ. We will see you in August on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.
together.